Savior. What a mighty God we serve. If you have your Bibles this morning, we're going to look at a number of scriptures, but let's start with John chapter 11. John chapter 11. We're going to look at one verse there. We'll go to Matthew also, Matthew chapter 5, and a couple of other verses. want to begin a study, uh, a four-week series, that we're going to entitle Stumbling in a Darkened World. The first lesson is going to be our responsibility as children of the light. What is it that God expects of his people? What is it that God expects of his children? What is it that God expects of us once we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and we begin our walk with him? Well, in John chapter 11, verse 10, Jesus has this to say. He says, if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth. Now, if you've ever gotten out of bed at night and you didn't have a nightlight in your room, you probably at least kicked the end of the bed with your toe and said some things that you had to ask forgiveness for when you got back in bed. In other words, if you are stumbling around in the darkness, you are going to, you know, uh, you know like he says here, you're going to uh, trip, you're going to stumble, you're going to stump your toe. I, I would suggest to you we got a lot of stumbling people of God in our world today. Our churches this morning are full of people who profess to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, who are actually stumbling around in darkness. But he says, he that wa- a man that walketh in the night stumbleth. Why does he stumble? He says, because there is no light in him. Now, again, today we're going to begin this four-part series that we've entitled Stumbling in a Darkened World. When we say children of light, We're talking here about the body of Christ. We're talking here about those of us who know Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. We're talking about every person who has ever realized that they are a sinner. They confessed to God that they were a sinner. They sought forgiveness of their sins. They committed their life to Jesus Christ. And they are living a life that is pleasing to Him. As such, we are commanded by Jesus Christ to do one simple thing. One simple thing, and that one simple thing is to be a light in this darkened world and expose the sin, expose the evil that is about us. Listen, our world is stumbling in darkness, and as people are stumbling, people are falling, and the people that are falling are falling straight into the pits of hell. Look, you know, while the children of light who are supposed to be lighting that path so they don't stumble are seemingly walking in darkness themselves. You know, and now in this series, we're going to take a look at what is this darkened world that we're in? What is our responsibility as people of God in this darkened world? So let's begin with the command of Jesus to the children of light. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. We'll begin there also. The command of Jesus to you and I. All right, we're going to get personal this morning. The command of Jesus, not the suggestion... Okay, but the command of our Lord and Savior to you and to me today. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus, again speaking, had this to say. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And as a result of them seeing your good works, that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now let me ask you a question. When your friends, when your loved ones see your everyday actions, 
when your friends, when your loved ones observe the lifestyle you're living, does that cause them to glorify God? Well, Jesus is saying that's the way we ought to live our life so that when people view us, when people look at us, when people watch our actions and reactions, they're going to say glory to God. There is a God in heaven. But I'm afraid that many people within our churches this morning, the lifestyle they're living is no different than the people of the world. And rather than the people glorifying God, the people are saying, I want no part of that God. Well, Jesus says we're to let our light shine so forth uh, so, uh, so much that people will desire God. Now, you know, we must understand that this is not a suggestion from Jesus. This was not a proposal from Jesus. This was not some far-fetched idea that came off the top of his head. This command of Jesus to his followers, it's, a, it's just that. It is a command. It is a command to those of us who have trusted in him. This command is for those who have committed our lives to him. Let your light shine. That's the command. Look, what, what is he saying to us this morning? First of all, he's saying this to us. Christians are responsible for the illuminating of the world. To be a light in this world. Church, our responsibility is to shine a light on the darkness that's about us. Our responsibility is to shine a light on the evil and expose evil as such. Our responsibility is to expose the wrongdoings about us and to call out those who are seeking to spread evil and destroying our families, destroying our churches, destroying our nation, destroying our world. As children of God, once we allow our light to shine and expose that sin, folks, then we have to take a stand for righteousness. And as I look at many people who identify as children of God, who identify as Christians, they're not willing to take a stand for righteousness. Why? Well, we're Christians. we got to all get along. Here's an East Texas phrase, hogwash. When it comes to evil and exposing evil and tolerating evil, folks, that's not what God expects of us. He says, shine your light on that evil. Expose that evil. Call it for what it is. It's a sin against the living God. That's what the light is within us for, folks. Look, how sad that so many who call themselves Christians are afraid to take a stand for righteousness and call evil what it is sin against the living God. Now, let, me, let me read something here to you. No matter what your view of the Catholic Church is, I commend Archbishop Salvatore Cordiliform, okay, is how I'm going to pronounce his name. He's of San Francisco of all places. He's the Archbishop in San Francisco who in a public letter, okay, he ruled about Nancy Pelosi, this, and I quoted it. Nancy Pelosi, we all know who she is, okay? Nancy Pelosi is not to be admitted to Holy Communion unless and until she publicly repudiate her support of, for abortion rights and confess and receive forgiveness. Now, folks, that's boldness. That is someone who is not afraid to shine the light Upon evil, he refuses to give her communion. She's a Catholic. She's a professing Catholic, just like Joe Biden is. 
And he says, no, you take a stand for abortion. You will not be allowed to take communion. Let, let me go on. And since writing this letter, three other bishops have also barred Pelosi from receiving communion. Now she's barred in at least four dioceses. Now, is that taking a stand for righteousness? You better believe it is. <laughs> Let me take it another step further because also another Catholic priest, I can pronounce his name, Father Robert Morey of St. Anthony Catholic Church in Florence, South Carolina. This was back in 2020 when Joe Biden was running for president as vice president. Here's what he did. He refused to let former vice president Joe Biden partake of communion because of uh, Biden's support for abortion rights. He told a newspaper this. Sadly, this past Sunday, I had to refuse holy communion for the former vice president, Joe Biden, now listen to what he says here. Again, this is a Catholic priest. Whatever you think of the Catholics, I commend them for this. Here's what he says. Holy communion signifies we are one with God. We are one with each other. And we are one with the church. Our actions should reflect that. What is that? That we are one with God, we are one with each other, and we are one with the church. Any public figure, he went on to say, who advocates for abortion places himself or herself outside of the church's teachings, end quote. Now, folks, that's what I'm talking about. Take a stand. We as God's people, we have to take a stand for righteousness. Look, maybe some Baptist pastors should learn uh, to call out some of our people for their unrighteousness within their life and take a stand for what is right. Ooh, that would cost us some money, wouldn't it? They may leave the church and take their checkbook with them. Look, folks, that is what Jesus is saying. We, as his people, should shine a light on the evil about us and then take a stand for righteousness. Now, the next thing we see here is this. That which illuminates itself must be visible. Look, if we, who are the light, are not ourselves visible to the world, then we will never be able to illuminate the darkness that's around us. Why do you think we're where we are as a nation today? And I'm talking about with the, the moral cesspool of the United States of America. Why do you think we're where we are today? Let me tell you in part three reasons. First of all, in 1962, when the Supreme Court banned school-sponsored uh, prayer, the light, who is the light? The Christians. When the, when the Supreme Court in 1962 banned school-sponsored prayer, the light did not shine forth, and the light did not take a stand for that evil decision. We stayed within the four walls of our churches and said, nothing. Then in 1973, when the same ungodly Supreme Court ruled that a woman had the fundamental right to kill a baby inside her room, where was the light? The light at that time did not shine forth on that evil and, and did not fight against it. We, again, we stayed within the four walls of the church because, come on, can't we all just get along? 
you know, we, we ain't got no business just putting our nose in their business. Again, hogwash. Then, in 2015, pretty recently, in 2015, again, this same ungodly nine people in black robes who lift themselves up higher than God. They defied God's design for marriage and ruled that two people of the same sex had a right to marry even though God calls it an abomination. Where was the light? Silent again and did not fight against it. Look, we must... Here, here's the idea of some. Well, Pastor, you know, Jesus was meek and Jesus was mild. And, you know, as his people, we must be kind and we must be gentle. And, and we, we, we can't just go around hurting people's feelings just because they don't believe the way we do. Tell that to the people in the temple the day Jesus went in there with a whip and started slapping people around with that whip and turning over tables. See, that's another side of Jesus because of the evil they were doing. The next thing, it's just as natural for Christians to become visible as it is for their light to shine. Look, notice I said it's natural for children of God to be visible and shine because once we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior and the Holy Spirit of God takes up residence within us, folks, it's natural to shine forth. I mean, it's something we can now do. In fact, as children of God, we have no excuse for not being visible and letting our light shine forth. We must understand that Christ is the true light of this world, and as we follow him, our life reflects his light. Now, hold your place there, Matthew, but flip over to John chapter 8. Tell you what Jesus says about this light and our responsibility to follow him. John, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus again speaking to his disciples. He says this, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, Here he goes, I am the light of the world. Okay? Now he, here's the kicker. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but he shall have the light of life. Now, I want you to notice the condition there. He that followeth me. Hmm. Look, just because you are saved does not necessarily mean you are following Jesus Christ. So what Jesus is telling us here, you know, I'm the light of the world, if you follow me, you will not walk in darkness. Why do you think, and again, I'm going to say it again, I'll probably say it four or five more times before I get through with this lesson this morning. Our churches are full of people who maybe are truly saved, yet they're walking in darkness, and you say, well, how can that be if they're saved? Because they're not following Jesus. Jesus' thing was, if you follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness. But there's a lot of people who identify as Christians who are not following. They're living the life the way they should. Why do you think, you know, there's no more people in the church this morning than what there is? Because people have other things that are a whole lot more important to them that they follow rather than following Jesus Christ and forsaking the assembly of themselves together. Now, notice two things again about this passage, okay? 
It is Jesus in whom the light originates. Okay, that's what he's saying. He says, I am the light of the world. It is his followers from whom the light reflects to others. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So when we're following him, folks, what's that mean? That means we're living the Christian life as he desires us to. Okay? We're not involving ourselves in the things of the world. We're following him. The key here is he that followeth me. The idea here is if we're not following him, even if we're saved, we will be and we will walk in darkness as we walk in this life. Now I want to suggest to you that our churches again are full of people who might be saved, but they're not following Jesus, and they themselves, even though they may be saved, are walking in darkness. As you remember, when God created the heavens and the earth, you remember the book of Genesis chapter 1 says the, 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 the earth was without form, it was without void, and there was darkness upon the face of the deep. So when Jesus created this earth, it was just darkness. It was darkness is what he said. And we're told in Genesis 1 that the Spirit of God moved on the face of the waters, and God said... Let there be light. Now, when God said that, boom, there was light. That quick. Now, what happened when Jesus said, let there be light, and light come on the scene? You know what happened? Darkness was dispelled. There was no more darkness on the face of the earth because of the light. And God saw that light was good. And what we'll see there, you can go back there later in Genesis 1, that at that point, God divided the light from the darkness. God divided the light from the darkness. What's that mean? From the very beginning of creation, God designed it so that light and darkness could not coexist. Now, what's that mean? That means I can't live like the world and follow Jesus. Why? Because the world is darkness. Jesus is light. Light and darkness can't coexist. It, it, it can't be. And yet so many people want to try to make it coexist. Look, you can't have light and darkness at the same time. And the thing is, light will always dispel darkness. Darkness can never overcome light that is willing to be visible, okay? The only way darkness can control or gain control is for light to be removed or to, for light not to let itself shine forth. And for children of God, the only way one can remove the light is to hide it under a bushel. You see, Christians... If you want to look at it like this, Christians, we are like planets. And what I mean by that is planets, you know, shine by reflection. That's what causes them to glow, by reflection. And it's the same way with us. In fact, Paul encourages us in, in, in Ephesians 5, 8, he says, For we were sometimes darkness. Now, he's talking to Christians here. We were sometimes darkness, but he says this, But now... You are the light of the world. What's now referring to? Because we've accepted Christ. 
Yes, there was a time you was in darkness before coming to Christ as your Savior. But now that you've invited Christ into your heart, now that you're following Jesus Christ, he says, now you are the light of the world. And he says, therefore, because we are of the light, he says, walk as children of the light. What's walk mean? It means live your life like you're a child of God. Live your life like you're part of the light. You see, the responsibility of the church is to enlighten the moral darkness of this world. That's the responsibility of the church. You know, I, I believe this. I believe that so goes the people of God, so goes the world. So goes the people of God, so goes the world. And what I mean by that is if the church was to rise up and truly reflect the light of Jesus on the, 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 this evil world, darkness would have to flee. Why would darkness have to flee? It's because darkness and light can't coexist. Therefore, darkness would have to flee. The answer to the ungodly act of abortion, folks, does not lie in the White House or the courthouse. It lies within the church house. The answer to the abomination of same-sex marriage does not lie within the White House or the courthouse. It lies within the church house. And the, uh, the, the, the answer to the, the, the corrupt, ungodly, greedy politicians who thumb their nose at the face of God and pass laws that go directly against the Word of God is found only in the church house. Only the light can change this. How sad, though even at election time, when we have a say-so, who is going to make the laws of this nation? Christians don't get out. Christians don't get out and vote for people who hold to our values. This nation will continue to be in darkness until the children of light rise up and let their light shine forth on the darkness about us. And here's what I know again. Light dispels darkness 100% of the time. Not just now and then, but 100% of the time. Evil can only run rampant when light is no longer visible. And light is no longer visible only when it allows itself to be covered up and hidden. Now the second thing is this. The eye of the world is keen to discern inconsistencies in those who identify with Christ. They can spot a phony, okay? People can spot a phony. I believe one thing that is wrong with this world today is there are far too many who identify with Christ, yet they have hidden their light under a basket for the purpose of getting along rather than allowing that light to shine forth for the purpose of exposing sin and wrongdoing around them. You see, the light under a basket will soon be extinguished. You saying, are you saying they're going to lose their salvation? No. But that light will no longer dispel darkness. Why? Because they are in darkness themselves. Look, we must understand that as children of light, when we put our lamp under a bushel basket, it's not long until all the oxygen will soon be consumed and that once bright light will no longer benefit the world around us. If you were to take a candle and set a candle right here and light that candle and then just take a cup a small cup, not cover up the whole thing. Just take a cup, put over that candle. What's going to happen? And don't somebody say it's going to burn the cup. <laughs> no, what's going to happen? 
it's going to burn all the oxygen out of that cup, and then what's going to happen? It's going to go out. Let me suggest to you, our churches are full of people. They hadn't lost their salvation, but their light is not shining forth because they've got it covered up. They've got it covered up. And I think that's the problem within the nation of the United States of America. They, once sin happens, or once that happens, sin no longer is exposed and darkness soon overtakes the world around us. And I firmly believe that is what has happened to this once godly nation. Too many who call themselves children of light have failed to allow their light to shine on the evil around us. And as a result, our, the, their light has flickered out all for the purpose of getting along and not offending those who believe different than I do. How many times have I heard people say, well, just because you believe different than me don't mean that, you know, uh, you know you've got to voice your opinion. When it comes to evil, listen to me, I will voice my opinion. You know, I will voice my opinion. Why? Because that's what God expects of me, to voice my opinion to the evil that has overtaken our nation, that has overtaken our churches, that has overtaken our cities, that has overtaken our counties, that has overtaken our churches. Look, what are bushel baskets children of light many times hide under? I mean, what are some of these baskets? <clears throat> you know, I think worldliness is one of the baskets children of God cover up. Covenants, vanities, compromise and many more things that we can see in the lives of many who identify with Christ in this world today. Look, as children of the light, we are commanded to come out from among them and be separate. That's a command also. Is it any wonder our world is stumbling in darkness today? Is it any wonder that our nation is stumbling in darkness today? Is it any wonder that our state is stumbling in darkness today? Is it any wonder that Lufkin, Texas is stumbling in darkness today? Is it any, world, uh, any, any wonder that our churches are stumbling in darkness today? And is it any wonder that our families are stumbling in darkness today? Now, for those of us my age and older, if you look at the family unit today, is it the same as when we were growing up, nowhere near the same. Nowhere near the same. And how sad. How sad. Far too many who identify themselves as children of light, as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, as the church, have placed their light under a basket of this world, and because of that, they're not lighting up the evil and the sin that's overtaken this nation look as children of the light we must never allow our light to go dim for any reason even for the reason of compromise never back in matthew chapter 5 turn back there with me if you would matthew chapter 5 verse 14 and 16 matthew 5 14 as children of light the idea here is we must never allow our light to go dim. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. Again, Jesus speaking. This is in the red, so it's got to be true, okay? You, speaking to 
his followers, are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. He said, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel. In other words, you're not going to light a candle and then put a bushel under it, okay? But you put it on a candlestick. Why do you put it on a candlestick? So that it may give light to all that are in the house, he says. Therefore, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. Now, that, again, is a command from Jesus. Don't light the candle. When is our candle lit? When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, boom, we've got the light within us. He says, once you are saved, don't cover that light with a bushel. Even if it don't go out, it can't be seen. He said, but you put that on a candlestick so that everyone can see that light shining forth. Now ask yourself, personally, is that light that is within you, the light of the Holy Spirit of God, the light you received when you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, is it shining so that everyone around you knows that is a reflection of the light of Jesus Christ? Or have you kind of put a basket over it, okay? Because well, I don't want everybody to know that I'm a Christian. I do some things I shouldn't, and if they know I'm a Christian, they're going to talk bad about me. Jesus says, no, you put that light on a candlestick. So, every, so let, let me show you four observations of this command, okay? I could stay there and do another lesson. But don't miss what Jesus is saying here. Four observations. First of all, as children of light, we are accountable to God. What did he say? You are children of light. Okay, you are children of light. We have the great privilege and responsibility of reflecting the light of Jesus to a lost and dying world and shining that light on the evil about us. The second observation we can see there is this. As children of light, it is impossible for our light to not shine forth unless we cover it up with a bushel basket, unless we try to hide it. Why does he say a city that is set on a hill cannot be hid? Now, it's impossible to place a light up high on a hill and people not see it. In fact, I got a quote from lifescience.com we'll throw up here. Lifescience.com says this. If you were standing upon a, 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 a top of a mountain, okay, you could perceive bright lights 100 miles in distance. Think about that. Now, this ain't my idea. This is from lifescience.com. Look it up yourself. But if you were standing atop a mountain, you could perceive bright lights hundreds of miles in distance. Not only that, it goes on to say this. On a dark night, you could even see a candle flame flickering up to 30 miles. Wow. Do you think maybe this is what Jesus had in mind when he said, a candle that is up on a hill cannot be hid? In other words, people from a long ways off will be able to see your light and do what? Glorify your Father, which is in heaven. The third thing is this. As children of light, we must make sure our light shines so the entire world can see it. What did he say? It giveth light unto all 
that are in the house. And finally, as children of light, the lives we live should bring glory to God. Why are we to let our light shine forth, he said, so that the world can see it and glorify your God. Look, I'm afraid the reason our darkened world is not able to witness the glory of God is due to the fact that God's people as a whole, okay, have chosen to put a basket over their light rather than holding that candlestick high for the world to see. Look, one of the greatest things God has entrusted to us, folks, is the light of Christ. And as children of the light, it is our great responsibility that he has given to us. And the question is, what are you doing with that light? You're here this morning. You're saved. What are you doing with that light? Are you holding it high so that all can see? Are you exposing the evil around you, the wickedness around you? Or, or I don't want it to shine that bright. People may think I'm a holy Joe. Be a holy Joe. Because that's what God expects of you. That's what God expects of all of us. The question is, we must ask ourselves individually, what am I doing with the light? If you're here this morning and still in darkness, you can come out of that darkness, you know, and come to the light of Christ by committing your heart and your life to him. And what I mean, if you're still in darkness, you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior. You can come out of that darkness this morning and come to the light of Christ by turning your heart and your life over to him. Look, Paul again said in Ephesians 5, 8, we talked about a while ago, for you were once dark. But now, after receiving Christ as your personal Savior, you are light in the Lord. Therefore, walk as children of the light. My word to you this morning, child of God, if you're truly saved, take that bushel basket off. Live your life for Christ. Don't try to cover it up just for the sake of getting along. Don't try to cover it up just for the sake of not hurting someone's feelings. Because Christ expects you to hold it high. Let it shine forth on the evil that's about it. Let it reveal the evil that may be in my life. So if you're here this morning, you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, we're fixing to give you a chance to do that. If you're here and you are a child of God, but you say, you know what, I, I hadn't really been letting my light shine the way I should, then maybe you need to make a fresh commitment to God this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we... Oh, I